there's no better course. So, and cross country skiing is meant to be hard. Uh, really fun race. And hi, I'm Rosie Frankowski from APU. See, here we have with the hero Bjorn Daly. That's the great thing about sport. Make it rain. Make make it rain. You play to win. It is. I mean, that's that's our sport. So. Toughen up, train harder, and get in that pack and make it rain. Make it rain. Make it make it rain. First of all, make it rain. Make it rain. You see, the critic of air must use air to make a case against air. The fact that he's able to make an argument at all proves that he's wrong. And and from that, I, it's sort of up to me to pick the ones that I really like, which can't be super hard at that. Yeah. I'm sure you have experience with testing two very nice pairs of skis, you know, that they feel exactly the same. Really. Let's go. Well, ain't no way they can stop me now, Daddy, because I'm on my way. I can feel my way. On the backstretch, it is Mellon and Richardson. Deep inside my veins, you must ride to be running. I'm going to get what I can and more, even if my blood, my sweat, and my tears don't mean nothing. Okay. My best advice to you, shut up. You're welcome. You're welcome. No, it wasn't playing me like it. You shut up. It's just like, if you want to talk to me outside, I'm more than happy to talk to you. Talk about that. Bumble like Michael Ray. Tell him again. It's Bumble like Michael Ray. Hear what I say. The Twins are going to win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a one nothing. During the race, she heard me. I'm very flattered about that. <laughs> you are skiing very wise. You know, we're gonna have to work hard. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to train hard. But you know, this, this group has got a has got an already work ethic. You know, so that's not gonna be the problem. Okay, everyone, welcome to the Cedar Skier Podcast. We're so glad you could join us here on our show. Instant reactions after the Tour to Ski stages five and six. Hopefully you enjoyed the broadcast too. It was a little bit of a Tour to Ski for me, actually. I'm feeling um, sick. Novi gave me a little bit of something like night before stage five. Uh, Didn't sleep hardly at all. Woke up with definitely some sinus issues. It's really amazing, actually. What like I think I'm ta- I think I took some Theraflu. I don't know. It's the stuff you drink because it was like seventy five ounces of a Theraflu and one of those uh, teas that's like the throat protection slash immune function support teas, um, which is a pretty a bold claim for a tea to say that they can you know do both of those things. But that's that's the special recipe that I guess. So I was guzzling that at like two a.m getting ready for the broadcast and um the sprints sprints went pretty well actually um and despite being being sick i i made <laughs> jim galanis don't hate me for this but i went out and skate skied on the mineral belt for two hours in the morning um after the show after the sh- um, broadcast i almost yeah okay after the show and the reason i did that is because 
they groomed it for the first time since like the Nixon administration. So um, had to get a had to get a skate ski in, and it, it was a good skate ski. In fact, Ajay, uh, intern producer here, the Cedar Skier logo. She was with me for the first like I don't know three minutes of the ski, and then I got to the dump road five k in. And normally she makes an appearance well before that. So I figured this this might not be good. Ajay either found like a rabbit that she has chased all the way to Buena Vista or she's like barking and chewing at Dan Betwinas somewhere on the mineral belt. And I'm going to be in trouble when I catch up. Now, here's what it ended up happening, actually, is Ajay probably ran into the woods and then realized coming out, where's dad? I don't know. And instead of going up trail, went back trail down to the car at Dutch Henry, like five kilometers away from me. And I I suspected this may have happened. So I turned around instead of continuing on, I turned around and, and I almost was back to the car. And this, this nice couple who um, I see out skiing every single day, they were like, oh, Ajay, is, she's waiting by the car for you. She's just such a good dog. She's just so nice. Yep, yep, no, she's not barking at anyone. She's just sitting there waiting. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so Epic Adventures of Ajay. We picked up, we, I picked her up and then I went back to this hill spot that I wanted to hit a few times and skied a little bit more. Uh, it was just, it was like the best skiing we've had all year. We've just had such lifeless, slow, slow snow that I had to take advantage. And I, I, I had to go back out at night just to say that I did. I, I, I could have skied for another two hours, but I, I was like, you know, a little bit of a headache, a little bit of sinus. I shouldn't push it. So I just went really slow, classic style skiing. Um, and and, um, you know, turned it, turned it back around, packed it up. But it was disappointing because then today, uh, and I feel a little bit better. The throat is, I think the voice quality is maybe getting worse, but the body is generally improving. So I apologize for any voice cracks. But yeah, went back out. Uh, and of course, we, we got like two, three inches. No, not that much. Maybe like a, an inch to two inches, depending on where you were on the trail. And it was like that really light, fluffy, dry snow, <coughs> which can be pretty fast if you have the right skis actually but apparently it was just not not the not the uh, speed from my skis i don't know what the deal is guys like i i mean i have skied the life out of the skis that i have um that are my that that were are, are like backup skis they're not good like rcs fishers from 2017 that's like my daily trainer and I've used them to the point now they, they've got scratches all over the place so they they haven't been freshly ground you know, since I bought them, which is almost three years ago now. Uh, so maybe that, maybe that's all it is. If, you, if you're kind of a tech nerd out there, just, you know, shoot me an email and say, Ryan, it's not you. It's the skis. Because I feel like I get out there and I'm just, I'm just terrible. Like, can't go fast. And I, I mean, it's a combination. It's been close. It's been cold. It's been lifeless. It has not been groomed regularly. And, and those things can be pretty bad um out here as well i don't know if you if you ski on the west you know what i'm talking about like sometimes you can have really cold conditions but if you get a good uh the groomer hits it at the right time overnight that that classic track is actually reasonably fast whereas like if they groom it in the morning and it's kind of that it's like that starchy soft you know you're not going anywhere when it's like that but but it's just been kind of miserable it's been a really rough ski season for me from a just like optimism standpoint. So I need, I need the, um, the love covenant to come around me to, to give me hugs of positivity. Uh, anyway, so that, that was the skis. <coughs> See, I'm dying over here. I don't know, but we got to talk about the tour to ski. So what I was getting at actually this morning, I think 
because we had some overcast weather and the snow was falling, I think my internet might not have been as good as it has been in the past. So I was doing the broadcast on 360 pixel, like instead of 1080. And I, I blame that for my <laughs> thinking that Paul Goldberg was even next to Kruger. Like it genuinely looked like that. So a little bit frustrating for, for me because I felt like the quality of the broadcast this morning wasn't like my full A game for a couple of reasons. Um, and so I apologize for those of you out there. Grip Wax Nation, hopefully you still got my back. And uh, I don't know I don't know what I'm doing. Getting behind the mic to like ask for that. But that, that's why you come to this show, right? You come to the show to hear me ask for your moral support. <laughs> no. Uh, you came because you want to hear some sound bites from the athletes from today, from the U.S. ski team. And kind of a interesting day today. I mean, on the guy's side, you'll hear Ben Ogden describe it. But just kind of, you know, everything sort of went wrong from a logistical standpoint, we had Finn O'Connell go down by a fall. JC went down in a fall. Zach Ketterson's ski, like, broke apart. I'm not even sure. I think that's what Ben said. Yeah, you, you couldn't really tell on the broadcast, but all of a sudden, he's he's in the pack having a great race, and then he's just out. Um, it'd be interesting. I, I wish we could get a sound clip from Zach Ketterson. So, Tom, if you're on boots on the ground, like, go, go up to a second and actually figure out what happened because, yeah, that was weird. Like, we saw on the broadcast, all of a sudden, he's walking around with one ski, uh, and then he's back in the race, and he finished. So... Pretty, pretty actually amazing performance there. Who knows who helped him out? I feel like there's probably a story, though. Uh, and then Ben Ogden actually got his pole snapped by Johannes Klabo and didn't throw Klabo onto the bus. Um, but And actually, honestly, ben, Ben's, Ben's uh, interview is, is one of the most revealing. Maybe we'll save it for, for the end here. Let's get some of the other ones out of the way. Um, I shouldn't say it like that. I'm sorry. Actually, all these interviews are pretty cool because on the girls' side... We actually had a pretty good performance right there. Rosie Brennan gave us some uh, some excitement in this 15K Classic. And, uh, you know, she said that she comes into, or she hasn't really had a good race here. Um, but she said some interesting things. I'm not going to give it all away. Let's jump to the interview. So, um, Ajay, can you play the clip? Rosie Brennan, here we go. Ski, Rosie, you looked fantastic out there. How did you feel? I felt really good, actually. Um, this race has... Well, I'll be honest, I've never had a good race here. <laughs> and so I was like sweating bolts about today. I was very nervous. Um, but I have made some really strong improvements in my classic over the last year. And I have a new wax tech that I really enjoy working with. And so um, I decided I just needed to believe today and see what was possible and take a chance on myself. And I'm really glad I did because I felt good. I had good legs. And um, I think these longer races are quite good for me. So it was a great day. There was a couple of attacks out there and it looks like you were just able to stride right with them and, uh, and just keep it going. How did, how does, how did the whole dynamics of that race play out for you? Yeah, the first half, it, it felt a, a little slow. Um, and the second lap, I kind of like, uh, I don't know, got ended up a little further back than I was comfortable with. So I decided to just go to the front and ski my own pace for a lap. Um, and I don't really know if it strung things out or not, but then the next lap was the sprint bonus and the speed got turned up really hot there. And I did have a moment of, Oh God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, but we relaxed a little bit after that. And at that point we had kind of a lead group. And so, um, then I was like, okay, I just need to stay in this pack and like keep matching the moves because, um, in this course it kind of does come down to the sprint finish. So I just wanted to be in a place where I had a chance at the sprint. Congratulations. What are you looking for uh, for tomorrow? The top. (laughs) Good job. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) I I do like Rosie Brennan as a skier. You know, uh, I like, I I think she summed up well, too. The the longer, the harder it is, the better she does. 
Um, maybe this isn't an apt analogy. Zach Henderson might be the only one who gets it, but I sort of feel like Rosie Brennan, um, is sort of like the Kirk Cousins of cross country skiing. Uh, <clears throat> so Kirk, you know, it's like there is you you can't find an actual reason you would ever hate Kirk Cousins. He is like a man of character. He everyone on the team likes him. You know, he's a leader. He he works incredibly hard. He's got an Excel spreadsheet with every five minutes of his day kind of dialed in. Uh, maybe that's the reason you could hate him, right? But but it, you know what I mean. He's kind of he's like that. He's that type A, almost like a goody two shoe. Which if you're if you're really a good goody two shoe, it's like, am I saying that right? Is that is that the actual phrase? Um, probably not. There's not really a reason you would hate someone who's just kind of always doing the right thing. That's Kirk Cousins. That that's what I feel like Rosie Brennan is too. She's she has earned everything she's gotten, even even in spite of adversity and you know getting kicked off the team or, or not getting not making the team. I guess a couple of times, like being an Olympian, being really if Jesse Diggins didn't live, like she'd be one of the most successful U.S. cross country skiers ever. You know, um, and gosh, it was so hard this Olympics. You know to. The places that she finished are so are, are so high up there, but then if, if you're if you don't come away with a medal, it just means nothing. So you know you just kind of feel for her. You want you want her to have the break she really deserves. And that's kind of how I feel about Kirk Cousins. But I also feel about Kirk Cousins like I don't know if I really trust him in the fourth quarter, uh, in the fourth quarter comeback situation. He has proven time and time again he's capable. Vikes have won; they're eleven and zero in one-score games this year. Uh, and and it's kind of same way. Brennan, like in a when it comes to a sprint finish, I never really know if I should feel like, all right, am I gonna, am I going to commit to this emotionally? Like here we go, this is going to be a podium finish. Uh, and even today, I felt like she did everything she could have done to position herself for a podium. But it was almost like fourth place. You just felt like it was going to happen. You know, um, you just felt like. Like it wasn't gonna be today, and it was only two two tenths of a second off the podium, you know. And 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 I think you know she's happy about the performance for great for good reason, obviously. You know, if she if she doesn't feel like she's done super well here, great to have the kick working, great to have just a good solid race all around. And I mean, this one really really this is a tough classic course. Johannes Klabo said this is one of the toughest races on the calendar every year. He knows it, and it, it takes a lot out of you, and it comes at a spot in the tour that is incredibly difficult because you're tired from the previous races, and you are also, um, you're, you you know in the back of your mind that you have you know one of the toughest physical efforts coming up the next day. So it's just dicey, and it's a course that challenges you technically if you're, if you're really not on your game and you don't have the wax. It's gonna it's gonna grind you to a pulp, and you're just gonna have a miserable day out there. So, I mean, this is all to say, kudos to to Rosie. I don't. I'm. Uh, this isn't like the a critical rant by any means. It's it's just I I do get that kind of that same vibe. Like Kirk Cousins, is he? This is why everyone debates about him all the time. Like, is he actually a franchise quarterback? We don't really know. He's thrown for you know four thousand five hundred yards every single year of his career. He's never gotten hurt ever. Those two things alone should make someone a franchise quarterback, and yet people love to debate about his um, abilities and his reliability or, or, you know, his talent or whatever. And, you know, I think Rosie, kind of in the same vein, is like, what can you actually say bad against her, that, that she hasn't, that she doesn't win every single time? I mean, who can you really say that about except for Clavo? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's great to have her on the team, though, and I like how she's giving us kind of a fun, exciting narrative going into this final, and... You know, I was doing some background on the Tour de Ski, the final stage, the final climb, and Brennan has had some okay finishes there, too. Uh, I'm just going to scroll up here and see if I can find I think a couple of seventh place 
finishes on the final climb. Yeah, 2021, she was 7th. 2020, she was 7th. In 2018, 17th. 2017, 23rd. 2016, 31st. So, like, um, now granted, 2020, I think, no, 2021 was the non-Norwegian year. Um, yeah, because that was January 2021. So, whatever. Whatever you want to make of that. Uh, but 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 she's not like, she's not someone you can necessarily count out. Like I, I predict she will have a solid day tomorrow, especially with what is up, uh, what is at stake, uh, in this tour to ski. So she seems to be kind of in the finest form right now. Although you never really know what is going on as far as ski speed on this tour and and that whole element because uh, as you'll hear from jesse diggins it sounds like that's been a, a major factor this isn't all these variations in performances they, they can't be you can't go like well this person's cooked this person's not in shape this person's sick it's kind of seems like everyone's physically where they should be they've either had bad luck on the men's side with falls broken poles weird stuff like that um and on the girls side and maybe the guys side too to some degree uh, missing the wax are missing and just not having great skis. So on that note, here's Jesse Diggins, someone who actually knows what they're talking about, not me. Boots on the ground after stage six. Jesse Diggins, stage six tour to ski. Jesse, how'd the day go out there today? Yeah, you know, um, we've had some serious staff shortages due to the illness going around. So to be honest, I'm just so like, I get like choked up thinking about how everyone's pulled together. Like, the Kern parents are out there running skis, doing feeds. Rosie's boyfriend, Tyler, is out there testing kick, like ruining his hip flexors for the team. He pulled in one of his teammates uh, who lives nearby. Like people have just banded together to make it work. And that's just so cool and so, ah, it's like emotional. Um, my day today was honestly pretty frustrating. I lost pretty much all my kick the last two laps. I could barely even herringbone. I was slipping so much. And um, I mean, I, you know, I can't complain. We're doing this with four wax techs and um, like five volunteers. And so I'm just honestly, I'm really proud of myself for holding it together as much as possible to only lose that much time when I normally would lose minutes with no kick on a course like this. Like I just kept trying to do my best to focus on my technique, focus on what I could do. Um, I felt like it was really hard to ski because when I'm just slipping and not able to do anything like that, I I just flood. So I felt like I, you know, it's it's heartbreaking. I feel like this whole time I haven't had classic skis that I want this whole tour. And so I just think we're getting all our bad luck out of the way for 2023. And honestly, I'm just really excited for tomorrow because I know I can get up the hill if I have the energy. So trying to take care of my body as best I can and just looking forward to just trying my best tomorrow. That's all I can do. Great, thank you, Jesse. Actually, pretty transparent there from Jesse Diggins, opening up a little bit about, um, yeah, in, in behind the curtain, right? So, I, I don't know. It's interesting, though, how, like, wait, first of all, got to go back. Tyler Cornfield, props to him, man. Cedar's Gear Podcast guest. Go back and listen to our episode, okay? Tyler, every time I'm out having a miserable double pull session like I have this winter because the snow is slow or I'm out of shape or both, we're not really sure, I always think about how you said you got to get that just basic two-hour double pull session in at least every day, minimum, um, which, which has been, that has been the recipe in the past, so I don't, I don't really know what's going on. I'm not sure. Maybe it's me becoming a dad. I might need to have Pellegrino on the show. Uh, but anyway, inside, behind the curtain, kind of interesting. And, and what is at stake here for Diggins? 
when it comes to the overall? Well, we got to go check our cup standings here. So just going to quick Google that. Cup standings for cross-country skiing. If you have the um, fun music be uh, that you can play. By the way, I got a question about do these races count for World Cup points? And they do. It's 50 points for the win. Um, so, so people are earning points for some of these events. Now, on the women's side, Tierra Unis Vang still has a pretty massive lead in the overall standings, 1,151 points. Um, Frida is 800, has 844. She's second. Parmakowski, who apparently was sick, I didn't know that. She didn't start. She had a stomach bug or something like that. She's in third, 792 points. And Diggins in fourth, 786 points. I mean, Vang is running away with it right now, and she's poised to get probably second or third um, in this tour to ski. That's going to be a big, big point shift. Hennig is right on Diggins' tail, by the way, in fifth, 740 points. Uh, but... I mean, this this overall World World Cup is not it's not out of the picture for Diggins. The question is, is with that distance um, of range of points, do you, if you're Diggins, kind of like just from this point forward, go, I'm going to do whatever it takes to be fresh for the World Championships, even if that means like skipping a random World Cup, uh, you know, and. To me personally, I mean, I have no idea what it's like to be a World Cup athlete. So I get the conversation where it's like, yeah, that's a huge deal. You know, the Norwegians are super neurotic about this. Like they have no problem pulling someone out uh, stage four of the Tour de Ski, even if they're in like fourth or fifth place. Like if the goal is World Championships, you go for World Championships. And I brought it up. Sunbi said that, you know, you can't really do both. You can't try and win the Tour de Ski and do the World Championships and try and win the overall. Uh, actually, he was he was saying just overall in world championships because I, I just brought up three things there. So sorry about that. A little bit of a Joe Biden moment. Um, sorry. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> 700 million billion trillion. Do you need, I, I can do a Donald Trump joke as well just to even the side. Um, the Don. I think I made fun of him on the, on the last show. Okay, we're not getting political. Anyway, the point being, you can't really chase both. Uh, with Sunbi saying something like that, I mean... If you're Vang, I think her response is basically, look, yeah, the World Championships matters a ton, but I've got this big lead. This is this is the chance. You got to go for it at this point. And I totally agree. Like you can't you can't be thinking, oh, maybe I should start to pull out of this event or that event and and focus on the World Championships. Like, no, you you're going to give up your your one chance at an overall globe next year. You might be hurt next year. There's going to be no World Championships, so everyone's going to be striving for it. It's going to be way harder to win. Frida Carlson's going to win next year, probably, right? Uh, she might win this year, too. But, uh, yeah, I think I think the World the World Cup is a grind. So I think if you're Diggins, you've already won the Crystal Globe, then you maybe just go, all right, if anything does come up, my plan is to is to race in, the, in these World Cup events, but... Um, I, I mean, I have no problems pulling out because I, I do want to try and get that world championship individual medal. Uh, that's just my two cents, you know. I, I laud her, though, for her approach of like, no, it's on principle, man. Like, we're going to finish this tour to ski. Like, it is kind of crap for the sport, I think, when people are pulling out. I, I heard on the sh- on the Devin Kershaw show where they were talking about, like, back in the day, you you lost all those World Cup points if you didn't finish the tour. I actually think that should still be a part of it. I don't care if you're sick. That's part of the tour. Part of the tour is like like in the Tour de France. Do they do they like uh, oh you were sick today? That's that's just fine. You're like you you can come back in in a few days and we'll just figure out mathematically where you would be or whatever. No, like 
you're done and and you and staying healthy is part of the magic of it um and and so yeah i don't i don't think they should they should be able to like just do that really without some sort of a consequence um it'd be something i have to go go back and look at the fine print i think you know like if you if you don't finish well like parmakoski this is gonna be rough because uh, um, you know, she was in third place, so poised to get what was it, two seventy, two two hundred sixty points. Like, is a is a pretty big chunk, <coughs> which, you know, again, that would have that would have almost secured a podium spot in the overall at least because where Diggins is placed, that's the gap. Parmkowski's, uh, Parmkowski is in third, and Diggins is in fourth in the overall standings. So, yeah, the Tour ski really does matter for her. So, I mean, Diggins Diggins has a good reason tomorrow to just compete anyway. But I think moving forward, it'll be interesting to see what she decides to do. Okay, we got another um, uh, audio clip here. Let's hop down to Val de Fiemme and listen to what Ben Ogden had to say about his day in stage six. Paul. Ben Ogden. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, Johannes uh, kicked it off around the corner, but uh, it was okay. I mean, you know, I, I got a fresh one pretty quick and, uh, you know, kept kept it interesting, so... I had to use a little energy to catch back up, but it, it wasn't bad. <laughs> when did that uh, happen? I don't... I think it was the uh, end of the third lap at the very top of the course. So it was around that corner uh, before coming down to the bottom. And I just skied with one pole and I waved it up. And, I mean, it was really nice because I got a pole from one of our coaches. But, I mean, all kinds of different people were offering it to me because everybody saw I had a broken pole. And, I like, Swiss coach, Norwegian coach had one up if I needed it. And uh, that was cool, you know, because sometimes, yeah, I don't know, it was kind of kind of nice. And I, uh, I had to shuffle around a bit because I had the wrong pole for a bit. But after, like, 2K, I got the right one, and then it was just a uh, fight to get back in. So, <laughs> Was it uh, Johannes' uh, fault? Well, I mean, no. It was probably my fault, you know. I'm, I'm the one that's, like, skiing with my shit going everywhere. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, he was involved, but that kind of makes it cooler for me, you know. <laughs> He's a king. <laughs> Have you spoken to him? Yeah, he, he apologized afterward, and, uh, you know, I thought that was really nice because, like, you know, it happens, and he, he did nothing wrong, and, you know, I don't know, it was, it was cool, so <laughs> I'm not complaining. <laughs> Maybe he was uh, angry with you because he went so fast. Yeah, time. yeah, he's trying to get back on me for yesterday, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm all right with it. <laughs> What uh, can you say about him? Uh, he has won all the six uh, stages. Ah, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's strong. He, <laughs> I don't know. He's the best. He's the best to ever do it. You know, like it's it's frustrating because you know other people want to be able to contend, but you know we're witnessing history, and it's. I mean, I consider myself lucky to be a part of it at all. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Hans Christer Holum said uh, recently here that uh, he thinks nobody uh, believed that they can beat him when uh, the start goes. Yeah, I do think that. I do think that. You know, you see in the sprints too, like people just sort of let him have his way. But, I mean, I'd say he's earned that. So, uh, you know, one day he's going to get tired and, and the fellas are going to get a taste of it and he's going to have to check the rearview mirror. But, you know, it wasn't today, wasn't yesterday, and it probably won't be tomorrow. But uh, someday that's going to happen. It's going to be sweet for whoever does it. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Uh, a little broken pole incident, uh, like, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the race. and. It was it was poorly timed given my uh, energy levels, but you know I, I got another one quick and I, I was able to fight and catch back up, so uh, it worked out okay. Yeah, what happened really? Uh, I honestly don't even really know, but it was around the corner at the top of the stadium, and 
I know that uh, our friend Mr. Claymo was involved, but, uh, you know, I've been telling everybody, like, I'm just happy that, you know, I was up there close enough to him to have him kick my pole off. So <laughs> I can't complain. And I got a new one quick, so it was it was no worries. But, yeah, just that's uh, that's distance ra- or mass start racing, you know. It shit happens, and uh, it's all right. It seems like an unlucky day for you. Zach lost his ski as well, so. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the boys, I mean, Zach lost his ski. JC and Finn both took a crash, and I broke a pole. And, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of unfortunate, but, like, Everybody still seemed happy enough, and like uh, you know, you got to kind of roll the punches out there. So I think that the U.S. boys do that better than anybody. Yeah, I, I think so as well. <laughs> Lastly, how do you see the stage do tomorrow? Man, you know, tomorrow it's just survival mode. You know, I just do everything I can. I, I leave it all out there, and uh, you know, I think I've set myself up to be to be really proud of what I've done this tour. And tomorrow, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for broke, and uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be hard, and I'm gonna to get to the end, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be proud of the effort, you know. So I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm, I'm psyched for it. Thank you so much. Yeah, Good luck cheers. tomorrow. There's so much awesomeness there. I want to almost go right into the studio, cut up some of these clips, get them to music, and make a brand new Cedar Skier podcast intro. I mean, Ben Ogden is the man. And if you didn't know this, that soundbite that we have about. Um, about, you know, these Americans, we're, we train hard or whatever that I always play at the end of these clips. That's from our interview back way back in like spring of 2020. Um, I reached out to Ben. One of the first Cedar Skier podcast episodes we had, it might have been like episode number three ever. And I was like, if I get Ben Ogden on my show, like we've made it basically, right? Like we went, we, we, we swung for the fences right away. Zach Caldwell, three hours of just us, of Zach just telling us about every single ski brand and what's like good and bad about each of them. So it's, it remains as actually maybe one of the only valuable podcasts that has ever been published. And in fact, our one Apple review it states as such, you know, basically he's like, yeah, sometimes Cedarquist rants, you know, it was really helpful. This one episode of the Caldwell talking about skis. And I'm like, that was like our first episode ever. So basically you liked the first episode and everything after that has just been a disaster, a dumpster fire. Maybe it has been, but anyway, Ben Ogden joined us for that show. It was great, great conversation. And I just love the spirit behind this guy. I do think, you know, I know that it's kind of a nebulous phrase when we say like ski like an American, but I, when I wrote up this, uh, this race recap and I, I sent it off to, um, Nordic insights, kind of like, Hey, you can use this if you want. I don't know if you're, if you're going to, but you know, Ben, basically his move in the sprint was like, this is, this is what ski like an American is. Because in that semifinal, um, he, he 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 found himself in the in front of Clabo and the rest of the group, and then he's like, "Wait a second, why would I slow down here?" Okay, if if you have missed the whole podcast, listen to this, because he goes, "It's like, why would I slow down here?" The only answer to that question is, I would slow down from first if I had like this idea that you must obey the letter of the Clabo law, like. Everyone bows to King Clabo, and so if I'm in front, like, this can't be a possible scenario. I'm going to go back and let him dictate this race. Ben's like, no, screw that. I'm, I'm just going to hammer the whole way. Like, what the heck, right? It's two minutes and 20 seconds of effort. I can do that. You, get, you even get some downhills in there, you know? So I, I loved it, and I thought it's, like, just incredibly obvious, and I think his response sort of, you know, even hints at that, that, yeah, everyone just kind of lets him do, do whatever he wants to do, shake it up a little bit. And, you know, Ogden, it's, it's hard to know if his little, 
he kind of skidded out a little bit around that turn in the sprint semifinal, the big swooping turn. Like, he did not fall, and, and it wasn't like he was edging crazy, but it seemed like he definitely lost some momentum there. And I just feel like either that moment was critical or or even just, you know, there was still time, but he had, he had swiped some momentum and he really needed a better push coming over that last hill. But it's like that that strategy didn't fail because he went for it. He went for it, and that's like, that is what the rest of the World Cup needs to do, is like, put on your big boy pants, have some confidence, get in that pack and make it rain, like Devin Kershaw said. That's what that looks like, you know? It's believing a little bit, like, we don't have to have a status quo. And uh, this is my older brother's biggest pet peeve. We talked for hours on our ride home from Aspen, you know, we're talking about, like, what our strengths were as athletes and how they were different. And, you know, one thing he always was saying was like, I never, this is him, I never got into a race where I thought that um, if I'm like, if I have a chance to win, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to, I will not have this mentality of like, whoa, whoa, that's so-and-so, you know, whoa. It, it was just, it was just, no, he puts on his underwear just like I do. And and if he's going to hand it, hand me a win, I'm taking it. Like, I'm not going to play this game. Uh, and, and I thought there was really something to that. And also just the confidence confidence inner confidence of going you know just maybe it's not inner confidence necessarily it's actually more just like a mindset uh you don't you don't have to be intimidated by people um that's something i think i i have struggled with as an athlete for sure like all the way back i can think of like third grade traveling basketball like i was often (coughs) sorry i was often intimidated in the warm-ups, as you're looking at the other team, you, you maybe know about their background. You've seen a certain player play in the game before. Um, he's been talked about by your dad or your uh, your teammates, how good he is. And it's like, dude, that guy's got the cool shoes. He wears his socks differently. He's got long shorts, whatever it is. And and you, you put them on a pedestal. Uh, and I know I did that in, in running as well. And I, I wasn't, like, good enough, really, to ever be have that be the difference. But... I know there that is the case, you know, like, you know, I'm two minutes behind the winner. So it's not like, well, I'm just going to believe that I'm as good as that guy and I'll be right with them. But if you were within 10 seconds of someone that's close enough in, in like an 8K or a 10K, like you should just go with that guy. He's not any different than you, you know, and and honestly, even for me being that far back to actually just have that mindset is a healthy mindset, I think, as an athlete, you, you do have to you do have to recognize like that guy literally is a human. His body works the same way as, as you do. He's really not that special. The only people you have to actually look at and go, that that dude's special, there's three of them, okay? Or four. Probably four. Well, maybe five. No, four. Deion Sanders, Randy Moss, LeBron James, and that one guy who is like six foot five and runs a 10.100 meter dash right now in high school, and he's like the number one rated football prospect. He's just an absolute monster, okay? Like, there's some sometimes there's physical specimens and you can you can give them their respect and let let yourself be intimidated by them um and i mean it's interesting because clabo clabo isn't really any of that like his intimidation factor is the fact that everyone looks at him skiing and like no one looks better than he does right he's the most beautiful skier okay that that's intimidating it's a visual visual thing he's also really good looking you know like we we, we could just look at him and be like if i could be one human on this planet you know, I take I take being Clabo. I think um, so. Maybe that's an intimidation factor, especially for guys. I don't know. Uh, but but really, like the intimidation thing is more just like he always he never makes a mistake, uh, and that to me seems like something I would want to lean into a- aggressively against. Like, 
Oh, so he never makes a mistake. Well, watch what I'm going to do, and let's see how he responds. And that's that's literally what happened. Ben Ogden went for it, and you saw it, man. The panic in Clavo, there was there was legitimate panic. And I tried to bring that out of the broadcast. I recognize it immediately. It was like Clavo knows this is for real. He's got to put. He's got to like. He's going to have to be full gas the whole way. And I was not wrong on that because when they interviewed him, he even after the final, after he wins, he's like the hardest thing was that semi, man. That was crazy. Um, it was obviously the story story of the day, and I think it's a story for U.S. skiing, maybe a story for World Cup skiing as a whole, because if, if we're going to challenge the status quo, we have to have more athletes like Ben Ogden. So that's, that's a wrap on that. There's my little rant. I had a couple things before we close up this quick show. Um, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow you have to tune in, right? I got, I got like five minutes to to preview tour to ski on ski and live and and i'll bring in some quotes i got ivan Bobikov sent me a message it was so kind great to hear from ivan um he's doing well and and he was talking i asked him about the hill like he was it's great some of the things that he sent me i love the quote so <coughs> we're gonna read that off for sure on the air and and he could give me some insight so that's cool and uh let's see what else i was gonna say yeah, I did. I've done some done some deep diving here today, trying to. I haven't really slept. That's the thing. I I don't think I've really done. Um, but the thing I oh yeah, the thing I wanted to bring up because I didn't on the last show, and knowing my social media following, I'm guessing my poll has like one person. Maybe actually that would be a success if I had one person respond to the poll. Like, do you need to take a feed seven minutes into a forty minute race? Um, yeah. If if you missed that, like this was stage four, so the twenty k. All these races, I, I think they were in that 40 to 42 minute range. Like, I'm not exaggerating there. It was right around, right around there for 20K, which is just kind of nuts, by, by the way, right? Like, this is how fast we have figured out how to make skis go. I get the, that these that these athletes are phenomenal too, but gosh, I'd, I'd love to see like Johannes Klabo on the day like today where it's just kind of normal crap Colorado conditions on the mineral belt. Just like do the 10K than I do, or it's just a gradual 5k climb up to the dumbbell and back, like, it would be interesting, and, and give him my skis, just be like, no, you guys gotta use these, sorry, they're just like a random pair of skis, because that would, to me, tell me, like, how good and fit you are, um, it would be really fascinating, gosh, it'd be such an awesome thing, Johannes, if you listen to the show, um, because I know you do, probably, you're welcome to come to Leadville next year for your altitude stint. It's a little bit higher than Park City, but it's great. I'll take you on a gravel grind. We'll bring you to Tennessee Pass Cafe. Um, I'll show you how to make oatmeal the proper way, and I'll, I'll give you all sorts of secrets. Um, yeah, it'll be great. I, I oh, Actually, I'm not going to tell you this secret that I have. Special surprise for a future show, possibly. It's in the works. So more on that. Stay tuned. But, yeah, this feed thing. Um... I, I joke about this, but I genuinely think in that 20K freestyle, there were some athletes who, like, you, they lost con- they lost time. And, like, in a tour like in a tour to ski like this, it's, it's crazy. It, it's crazy to just throw that away. Like, oh, we're seven minutes into a race or even 14 minutes for the, for the second feed because that's where most everyone took a feed. I did see, I think it was Tiro Udnesvang took a feed at seven minutes, but... Um, at 14 minutes, I know like everyone was 14 minutes into a 40 minute race that includes like considerable amounts of rest. Again, if this, I I think like the only situation where I can imagine 
that would be necessary even from like a physiological standpoint would maybe be if you were doing like a 40 minute uphill sprint at like your 3k running pace that's not even possible but like that would be the only way you could possibly burn through your carbohydrate stores in in the sense that they would need to be replenished like we have the capability to store minimum 2000 calories worth of carbohydrates like even if you didn't eat anything the morning of and and you had like a massive just pasta meal you know 2500 300 3000 calories type thing which is not that hard to do like but if you just if you just did that, like you'd wake up and have like 1,800 to 2,000 calories stored in your muscle of carbohydrate. So you're not burning that in 40 minutes. Like, I'm sorry. I mean, they even talk about this, like the hour long effort is kind of the threshold that you could even do just like if you, if you walk to the starting line with your full capacity of carbohydrate storage, I think, you know, if it's 2,000 calories or so, whatever, somewhere in that range, like theoretically, you should be able to run at a slow pace, like 20 miles maybe, but but if you're running fast, you're going to be burning more carbohydrates at a higher rate. So, so I mean, and sorry, I know I've got some physiologists who are like listening to me. I, I remember from our physiology class, our nutrition class, like basically coming to this conclusion that like, you know, okay, in a marathon that's two hours long, it makes sense to a degree to be taking in carbohydrates and fluids and like that certain balance that, that you're supposed to have in like a actual sport nutrition drink every 20 minutes or so it seems really crazy but the reason you would do that theoretically is because once you get to like an hour and 30 minutes into the race you're not gonna be able to like be pulling from those stores you can't you can't go um on a full tank empty the tank completely after 80 minutes of hard running and then just start giving yourself stuff then it doesn't really work that way so so um that's why you'd start taking carbs in so to me like it does make sense in a hard ski race that's between an hour and a half and three hours long you would see athletes maybe trying to be more diligent about feeds but that is assuming too that that ski race you're going hard the whole time like and we see a lot of times in these mass starts that that doesn't even happen and that was the case uh, it, not only was this not a 50k it was a 20k and for for a lot of the race it was like just a baby jog i mean I guess that would have been my thought is like, all right, if I race this full out, full gas for 40 minutes, even that on a, on a totally fasted state, you would be able to do that. Like you wouldn't be able to do it if you were fasted and carb depleted, but like if you have a high carb rich dinner the night before, so you're, you're fully stored 40 minutes is not long enough where you would be like getting to the end of that and be grasping for straws. And I know this from like, literal personal experience i mean i never would have no one does this no one takes feeds in a in a 10k ever 10k run okay that's a 30 minute effort for a very good you know division two division three collegiate runner obviously faster 27 minutes for world class and they're they're not taking anything um and in a half marathon i think it's a little bit hit or miss because now you're talking about this effort is going to be between 58 minutes and an hour and 20 minutes, you know, kind of a range of a, an elite male or female runner. Well, you, you might not want to risk it there. My personal experience from that, from running my only half marathon I've ever done and, and running it as hard as I could and as evenly as I could is, yeah, at about a minute t- or at an hour 10, I was kind of like, I'm glad this race is going to be over in about three minutes. Because there's no way I would have been able to run 
really like any farther than that. Like the pace was, and and not because the pace was too hard. I remember thinking like, hey, if I did what you're supposed to do, and like every 20 minutes you're drinking, feeding, I think I could sustain that pace for 20 miles because the pace wasn't that hot. But it was definitely like it was a weird feeling of like now my body has completely depleted all of its carbohydrate energy, carbohydrate stores. But like again, that's that's an hour of running on flat road. No downhills, no uphills. Like it's just it's it's going to be a constant stream of effort, which is just not the case in skiing. Um, and yeah, I mean, and especially again, this wasn't like a twenty k where it was balls to the walls, interval start even. But I just was thinking, like, at some point later in the race, if if you're like Diedrich Tonseth, I just been like, uh, I would be like, no, no, I, I'm gonna like skip this feed and just totally pull one of those gravel cyclist moves where you, where you just you skip it and you get a hundred meters on the pack like I, I don't get it it was like this like signed agreement like why didn't they just pull off to the side and like i don't know, go to the bathroom too like hey i just gotta go man can we all wait it's like I, it's just weird i yeah again if it's a three-hour race i get it if it's a two-hour race i get it if it's a 90-minute race it's it's i i genuinely believe genuinely believe you could you could race 90 minutes at a world-class effort on skis without taking a feed i don't think that's necessary but certainly 40 minutes um it just doesn't make sense to me so if someone wants to like explain that to me and i'll probably get these people who are much smarter than me telling me why but i'm pretty sure i can like go back to my nutrition books and find my data of like the whole you've got 2,000 calories worth of energy if you've got stores and and you you probably have more if you're a trained athlete like, just ask some of my friends who randomly will be like, you're just going to drink coffee and then ride this four and a half hour bike ride with me? Like, it's happened before. Trust me. Like, and the more you do that, when you, when you, when you, when you are, you know, burning carbs more efficiently, the the larger those stores become as you, as you basically do a, a carbo loading, carbo depletion over and over again, like your muscles adapt to that and can store more. And I get it. I, you know, like when I'm out riding my bike, I'm not going at a pace where you're burning high volumes of high proportions of carbohydrates. And these athletes are. But even if you're burning that, I, okay, I've ranted enough, long enough. Um, so that was that was one pet peeve I had to bring up. The other thing I wanted to mention, almost forgot this. Did anyone notice that Krista Parmakoski, where has these like magical pair of Redline 2.0s? Uh, she pulled them out in the in that race on stage four. And they were killer, way faster than Frida Carlson. So I don't know what it is. I, I thought I heard, I think there were 2.0s, maybe even 1.0s. They're they like the original red line. Um, kind of a dorky thing to notice, but it was definitely like, wow, I feel like I've seen these too. I feel like she's like pulled them out, you know, at World Championships too, where it was really hot. Probably, probably 2021, which, you know, at that point, it wouldn't have been that weird, but it's weird now that the Redline 3.0 came out and supposedly that was like the the dream ski, right? They made their mistakes on 2.0 and now 3.0 is here. And now they've got the purple one. So I don't really know what the what the scoop is there, but all hail the, the magical Parmakoski Redline 1.0. Hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. And um, if you do and you want to like support us, we do have one financial supporter right now and i'm so appreciative of it and uh i'd I'd love to like i don't know get more emails where people ask questions and give some feedback and give me something to banter about like if you have an opinion share it cedarskier at gmail.com that's lowercase s lowercase everything s-e-d-e-r-s-k-i-e-r at gmail.com reach out to us let us know that you're listening 
Let us know that you like it. Let us know that you're part of Grip Wax Nation. And um, as I always like to say, keep on striving, keep on scheming.